Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Around the Table, the podcast for Redemption Women from Redemption Church in Tempe, Arizona. My name is Dina Rogers, and I'm at the table this summer again with some friends. So excited to have you both here. Lori Green is with me often. How's your summer? So good. Going to the river this week. So anytime I can be on the water, is that's a good week. That's so. great. And you made it to the beach. And I made it to the beach. So I'll just keep saying that. Yeah. So I'm excited because we have Aaron here with us today, and I love music. Like Oprah loves bread, I love music. <laughs> so I'm so excited because I'm a little bit of a fangirl about Aaron. I, you know, I maybe listen to her on CDs <laughs> in my house when she sings scripture, and so I'm really excited to have her here with us and talk a little bit about music. So Aaron, who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Erin Amsden. I am a 37-year-old mom and uh, professional woman, I guess. I don't know how to say that anymore. I feel too old to say that I am a professional, <laughs> or too young, I'm sorry, to be professional, but I guess I am. Um, yeah, and I've, I've, uh, I don't know what to say about myself. I am um, a music lover, much like you said. I've grown up around music. I'm the daughter of musicians. I'm a daughter of music teachers. Um, and so it, it's been a it's been a big part of my life for a really long time. And so it makes sense that it's a big part of my spiritual life as well. How long have you been at Redemption? I've been at Redemption since 2008, so about 11 years now. Um, previous to that, I was a, a worship pastor at another church in the Valley, um, but we've been here since then. Wow, that's when I came. So you've always been a part of music for me at Redemption. There you go. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for doing that. And did you come here specifically to do music. Did you know you were going to get to do music here? Uh, no, I took about a year off. So um, my previous job left us a little bit just uh, tired, I think is probably the best word. So yeah. and we had, we were just having our, our firstborn. So we took a little time off. We knew Garth. Um, my husband had grown up with Garth since oh. grade school. So we knew them. We knew the Andersons. Um, so that brought us here. And after about a year is when I got involved with the worship team again. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. It's been good. And you do, what do you do in your professional job? You do something totally not music, right? Right. I'm a director of strategy uh, with the University of Phoenix. So I work in the provost office and, and handle a lot of the bigger strategic projects that are happening there. Got Yeah. Yep. Wow. Well, and then another question. Did you like take piano lessons? Tell us about your music development. Yeah. So, um, my, like I said, my father is a, is a music professor, and so I think the minute he realized that I could hear tones, we started practicing. Mm -hmm. um, so that, and well, before that even, my, uh, the adage at my house is that my parents could lay me on the ground at as young as two months and turn on Tchaikovsky or Vivaldi or whoever and just leave the room, and I would be happy for hours just listening to um, classical music and jazz and, and whatnot. And so it's always kind of, I think, been a language for me, even yeah. before actual language was. Um, I had my first performance, I guess, when I was four. I started worship leading when I was 12. Um, wow. Yeah, so I've, I've been in this space for a long time. <laughs> That's so cool. So Jesus and music have been combined with you, for, have been a combination for you for a long time as well. Yeah. Cool. So that leads straight to my next question, which is, Tell us about your faith story and how the gospel, how knowing Jesus shapes your story. And the reason I'm asking this question, besides I love asking that question, I love people's stories, is we're going to talk about that this fall when we launch into our Hebrew study. One of the first questions the first week is to give women the opportunity to share faith stories. So I just 
love the I, I'd love for us to share our story so people can kind of hear that and kind of be thinking about how to share their story but yeah, go for it. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I'm a pastor's kid. My dad, um, on top of being a music professor, was also a pastor. Uh, so I've been a PK since I was born, grew so up around the church. So you've known about being busy for a long time. For a very long time. <laughs> Volunteerism is in my blood. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so I've been, I've, I grew up a PK, so I was exposed to the gospel uh, from day one. And my parents um, were really intentional with both me and my sister about making sure that that they were constantly talking about that with us. We would leave on Sundays and we would talk about what we learned or we would talk about um, principles from, from scripture or whatnot. Uh, so then I ended up I think I was eight years old when I accepted Christ um, because it was second nature. There was not, mm-hmm. there was not for me, uh, I, I feel like some lifelong Christians feel like it's negative that you don't have this massive conversion story. I truthfully love the fact that I grew up with, no, this is, this is what this is. Yeah. And I was given the space and opportunity, whether that was through my parents or other loving pastors that I've had in my life, my children's pastor, my youth pastor, my college pastor, to have the space and freedom to say, I don't understand or I don't get or this doesn't measure up to what I'm experiencing in life. Help me to mm-hmm. um, to uh, bring these perspectives together, or understand why there is tension between these ideas. Um, and that was never looked down on. That was never uh, dissuaded. That was always encouraged because it it deepens faith, right? It allows you to express um, disbelief. And we all have those moments of, right. okay, really, can this be true? The story of Jonah is a great, mm-hmm. you know, or or the flood or any of those any of those grandiose stories. You hear them as a kid on a felt board, and absolutely <laughs> they're great. When you're 16, you start going like, mm, but for real, like, did this happen? And so to be able to have those conversations and then get into much more complex conversations over time, Uh, I think was just a space that I loved and needed. And I think that weaves into my love of music within this space because, well, I should back up. My mother, while not a pastor, has a very um, strong love of old church buildings. Mm. And so anytime we go to a new city, my mom will seek out cathedrals to just go sit in and listen to pipe organs and listen to just the majesty that is created in those buildings. and, and the idea that we created for a creator and uh, that buildings were built to show God's majesty. And in the same way, hymns were written to show God's majesty. And hymns sung in those spaces will make me cry at a at the drop of a penny any wow. single time. So did she take at. you to those places? Oh, all the time. We would just sit there and in any city that we've gone to, especially on the East Coast. We spent a lot of time just sitting on old pews so my mom can look <laughs> at stained glasses and cry <laughs> but I love it we will any church that I walk by it will immediately like see if the door will open so I can go in and look um and just see the splendor of what was built for our creator wow do you have a favorite hymn that you love to hear in oh, an old goodness. cathedral I mean all of them organ? there's uh-huh. all of them um from a hymn perspective I think uh Be Thou My Vision is one of my favorites mm. um and it's one that I think comes to mind a lot in my life uh, as I'm going through different phases of my life, I think those words are, are very salient. Most of the Christmas hymns, I, I will take a Christmas mass any day of the week, especially if it's got a choir. Like that's that's my jam. Christmas mass with a choir. Let's do it. Uh, and then I will um, I will always love a choir singing Ave Maria in mm. in those type of vaulted ceiling yeah. spaces. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Um, we studied prayer last season through Redemption Women. And one of the things that we wanted to talk about with that was how 
how does music, how's, how do prayer and music come together and what does that look like for you? So I think there's a couple of different ways when I think about prayer and music. I think um, for me specifically, worship is prayer, that when you're, when you're singing um, songs of praise or songs of lament or whatever it happens to be, that those aren't just for your benefit. You're communicating with God in that moment, right? So those words should be words that you're finding a way um, to communicate your own expression through. They might not be your words, but sometimes they're better than your words. Uh, and so that's helpful. <laughs> um, so I think that anytime we're in a space of worship, I think of that as communication or prayer um, with God. And I think that part of my love for worship leading is because that becomes a very easy space for me to be in. And the idea of bringing people into a space where I am not seen, but I am a conduit to them being able to do that as well is uh, my deepest desire at all times. Um, I also have many experiences where, good or bad, uh, all I can get out is a song. That I don't have the words. I don't have the right things to say. I can't actually maybe put together what I'm feeling or thinking, Mm. but somebody else already has. And so whether I'm listening to it or whether I'm singing it, um, they become my way of praying because I just can't, I don't have the energy in that moment or, um, or just the words that I need to express what I'm expressing. And so I get to lift other people's and, and use their words instead. Yeah. We talked about that a lot with the Book of Common Prayer. Absolutely. And, you know, the Lord's Prayer. Just there are so many great prayers or just singing, not singing for me, but reading a psalm. Yes. Um, using those and how, how wonderful to be able to have it set to music. Well, and most psalms were, right? Most psalms yeah. were songs. Were designed to be songs. Right. So they're written in cadences that, that make a lot of sense. Yeah. I think there are certain songs. I know there are certain songs that... When we sing them, and it's usually in church where I am reminded of those songs, it takes me exactly back to a place or an experience in my life where I was really seeking an answer to a struggle or trying to figure out how to get through something. And we sing that song, and it reminds me of exactly where those words were the prayer I needed to get me through that space or to get me through that experience. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's amazing. Sometimes, Erin, when I when you are leading worship, and I love, I actually love that term. I don't think you're a song leader. I think you really lead us into worship. Sometimes I watch you, and I think I don't even know if she knows we're out here because That's true. it looks like <laughs> sometimes it looks like it's you are really just in love with who God is at that moment and are singing to Him, not for us or even remembering that we're out there. There have been a couple of times where I have to remember, like, you can't cry. Like, if you know right now, you can't cry. <laughs> um, because that's our job. Our job is is to lead the congregation, but that's also a space when not just me, but the, but the people that I get to be on stage with should be worshiping as well. And I think, um, I think when that doesn't happen, it feels performance-esque, and that's not mm. what we're driving for, right? Like yeah. the, We want it to sound good because that's glorifying and we don't want it to be Absolutely. distracting, but ultimately, hopefully, we fade to the back and we just allow it to be a place where we're, we're all doing it together. 
I think you guys do that beautifully. And it's quite a balance because you are so talented and gifted (laughs) that it easily could be a spotlight on you and or any of the other worship leaders that we have. But you guys take us along with you. You, It doesn't become your concert. Good. That's what I'm hoping for. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. So, Erin, I heard a story from our friend Caitlin and you can verify it or not, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about it. She told me that, and and when you come and lead worship on a Sunday, it's a long day. We have, uh, and you don't live close to here. I do not. <laughs> so um, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of driving. You're, you do two services in the morning and one in the evening. But she told me that when you go home, you lead your kids in the same worship music that you lead us in here. Is that true? Yeah. Yes. So uh, one of my other loves, I love doing kids worship. I love doing youth worship. I love doing all. It's not just adults. I love I love all of it. But one of the things I love about kids worship is um, being able to put like dance moves and choreography to songs because that's what kids remember, right? Mm-hmm. So they learn um, to memorize worship songs by, uh, by using fun hand motions or jumping around and being insane. And I think that's great. And so um, for a long time, I was able to do that with our kids here and we've kind of moved to a new structure uh, and that was truthfully a little bit crazy on Sunday mornings but was a lot of fun Um, and so that's what my kids do we get home and and we talk about the songs that either they sang here or we sang in in big service and they listen to all of them when we're playing um, or when I'm practicing throughout the week and we sing together and we dance or or we throw it on the Spotify playlist that we have and and we just have a good time with it so uh, like my kids love Lion and the Lamb and (laughs) there's a bunch of them that that they love and we'll just dance around the house and sing and have a good time and they love it that's so cool I love that are any of your kids into music yeah all of them um different ranging capabilities Mm -hmm. if I'm a completely honest mom uh (laughs) but they but they do love it uh so my older two boys are taking piano lessons and um my oldest is getting into clarinet my second I have four by the way my second uh has a killer voice and I'm real excited to see where that goes um Fisher is my six-year-old he is uh he is a fun fun kid so he's more on the dance side we'll see how he goes and then Miles loves all things music and loves to sing at the top of her lungs I'm still waiting to see if she's tone deaf or not we're, we're figuring it out <laughs> she's young she's got some time Aww. okay so <laughs> about Miles so um I have a daughter who's three and a half and she's buddies with Miles so she, my little one gets excited to see you leading worship because that's Miles's mom and one Sunday you shared your whole story about Miles and I don't know where I was. I was, I'm at church all the time (laughs) and I wasn't in there on that Sunday. And my husband, who's pretty calm, cool and collected about everything was like, oh my gosh, you missed the most amazing story. You would have just died if you'd heard. He was very excited about your story. So (laughs) I would love for you to share a little bit about that story about Miles. Yeah. And I think it it goes with the theme of power of prayer for sure. Um, So my daughter was born December 9th. And on December 21st, um, while I was at a friend's house, that was coincidence. We were supposed to be in Gilbert. We ended up um, at a friend's house in Tempe. We noticed that she wasn't uh, eating and she was changing colors. And so um, we quickly got to Cardin's. And by the time we got there, she was almost entirely blue. Cardin's is? The medical center on Dobson and whatever the children's the children's hospital in in Mesa Um, and so the the nurses I ran in the door and without even thinking the nurses grabbed her from me very very quickly I think they they realized quite 
quite quickly that there was an issue. And they grabbed her. Um, and so after about 10 minutes, we lost her. We lost her a couple minutes in. They tried to trach her to get her to breathe. And in doing so, we lost her heart. Um, and so we, uh, I watched while, while a couple of those doctors and nurses um, did CPR on her for about 10 minutes. And we finally got her back. Uh, a couple of my girlfriends were just standing there with me in the hallway. My husband wasn't there yet. Um, and uh, after a kind of a long night of fighting to get her to come back to us, um, our doctor walked in the room and said, we, we've got to put her on heart and lung bypass. Um, and I think in the, in the frenzy of all that, you're just taking in information as you can as it comes. And so uh, we were clear that it was not going to be easy. Number one, she was a very tiny baby. Um, and that, that process of ECMO is, is very invasive and very hard. Um, but at that point, it was our, it was our only option. And so uh, we put her on ECMO. Um, that took about an hour. And um, then we were at the hospital and we lived at the hospital for about three weeks. Uh, the doctors, when they told us about it, said, you know, we'll put her on ECMO. And we said, how long, you know, can she be on that? And they said about five weeks. I was like, well, then what? And they're like, she can be on it for five weeks. And that was just kind of like the end of that statement. Um, and so we had people from Redemption and all over the valley and then people from out of state and people telling people, telling people, telling people from other countries who began praying for my daughter in very real ways. Um, and I think what was uh, – nice is that I was able to kind of communicate out the specific prayers we needed each day because um, what I did not want at that moment was, well, just prayer for healing, right? Because this is going to be a slow process, so let's not kid ourselves. So today I need you to pray that we do not lose her kidney. That was, it was just very concrete prayers that we were asking for. Um, and after five days of being on ECMO, our doctor came in and said, we're going to pull her off. We think she's good. Uh, which was a very scary moment. And so the surgery team came back in, and they've successfully pulled her off ECMO. Um, we, we weren't out the gate because then we had to deal with her lungs, which at that point had MRSA. So we had her heart back, but then we had to figure out her lungs. Um, so we, were, we ended up being there for about three weeks, all, all told, with just incremental progress every single day. Um, and then, you know, when we were, when we were leaving the hospital um, – every nurse showed up <laughs> that we'd had over those three weeks um, because uh, I don't think anybody I, I won't say I think I know nobody thought we were leaving with our daughter I don't know that we thought we were leaving with our daughter um, we reunited with her surgeon her ECMO surgeon um, in Valentine's Day of this year and that was mm -hmm. the first real chance we got to sit and talk with her outside of the craziness that took place and that was the first time that I ever heard her say I've done 10 of these on a baby this size, yours is the only one that came off. Mm, um, wow. So like even I didn't realize, you know, how uh, rare, and, and it has been since then. We've talked to other people and they're like, no, that doesn't happen. People don't come off ECMOs, especially babies. Babies don't come off ECMO. Um, so it was a miracle in the moment. It's being reinforced as a miracle every time I talk to somebody who kind of knows what that is and understands uh, exactly the odds that we were up against with her. Um, every test came back and it was a matter of a common cold that she just couldn't cough up what was in her lungs and and that's all there was to it. And then there's been other hurdles since then that people have continued to pray for. We um, we got really lucky. Her brain didn't have oxygen for 10 minutes and our neurologist avoided us in the hospital <laughs> for almost the full three weeks mm -hmm. because he just didn't 
want to come talk to us yet. And uh, they did some scans on her while she was, um, her body was cooled for ECMO and there was no brain activity, which I was not aware of. Um, so we, we struggled with that a little bit while we were in the hospital and just praying about um, the daughter we were getting back. Are we getting the daughter that we lost? Are we getting a different daughter? Like, who were we getting back? Uh, and the day before we left, our, our neurologist came in and said, I can't find a single spot on her brain that shows she was oxygen deprived. Wow. So that wow. was crazy. Um, so that was a big thing. And then she had some physical uh, stuff to overcome in her first year. She's, she nailed that. And um, she's a normal, well, I shouldn't say normal. She's a weird kid. But she's a, <laughs> she's a normal, thriving three-and-a-half-year-old. I, I, I didn't talk about this in the story, and I'd love to talk about this as well. We were catty-corner from uh, another room with a grandma and her son who we spent time praying with. Her son had a tumor in his brain um, that uh, was going to be a serious issue because it had two um, – two veins going through it or two, whatever, that, that, so the surgery was going to be very, very, very intense. Yeah. Um, and so we were able to pray with her. She was Christian and we spent some time praying for each other's kids and we, we got to know her a little bit. And, um, we asked people to pray for her and her child as well while we were in there. And, uh, they went in and did surgery and the tumor like was underneath the blood vessels. Like the, they had so many scans that showed these blood vessels went through the tumor. They were so, so nervous about essentially killing this child's brain um, by trying to take the tumor out and they got in there and it was just underneath. They just had to lift wow. it up and take it out. No um, way. Yeah. So we yeah, got to see other so miracles cool. while we were in there. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's been, it's been a testimony ever since. So that's Miles' story. <laughs> that's wow. Are you excited to actually tell her the story someday? Have yeah, so as she, yes, and she knows that she was sick. She's seen pictures of herself mm -hmm. um, in that state, which are still pretty hard to look at, but uh she, she knows that she was sick. Um, she doesn't know the extent of it. But what's been really interesting is that as she's grown up and her neck has started to stretch, mm -hmm. her scar is really prominent. I mean, it's a beautiful scar from as far as scars mm -hmm. go. It's, it's not gnarly. <laughs> but her because she doesn't have her uh, carotid artery on one side of her on one side of her neck anymore because they had to remap. Essentially, they remap mm -hmm. your blood vessel. Um, and so uh, her scar is is becoming, you see it more often. So there's just this very visual reminder, even when you're sitting next to her, yeah. of just like, you probably shouldn't be here right now, um, but you are, and that's that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. wow thank <laughs> oh, you for sharing that. That's I amazing. I love that. We talked so much last year about building community through prayer and, and, how our f and how we can pray for big things, but how our faith grows because God does big things that yeah. we don't even know how to pray for. And I think all of those things have are so much a part of your story. Yep. And yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah. How cool. Well, we love that Erin is not only a worship leader at our church, but also for Redemption Women. We're excited about starting up in the, again in the fall. Or can you give us some dates and tell us what we're going to be doing? Yeah, we're going to start selling the Hebrews Journal first Sunday in September. So look for us at the lobby table, and then we have Gather. Um, we're going to be launching the season Wednesday, September 18th at 6.30 in the main sanctuary, and Aaron will be there leading music, as always. And um, so if you want to connect with us, go on the website or app, and you will see our email. Um, make sure that I have your contact information, because I'll include you in our um, email list and keep you up to date so you don't miss any important dates, and I promise not to spam you or anything crazy like that. <laughs> Thanks, Lori. And thank you for listening 
um, we will see you next time when we gather around our podcast table to immerse ourselves in scripture and disciple one another toward Jesus. Mm -hmm.